Hello and welcome to the Demographicast. This week, Jack and I were joined by Sophie Corcoran, a sixth former and avid football player who wanted to talk to us about the ongoing A-levels results situation um, and how she doesn't believe it will be any better than the fiasco that occurred last year. Make sure to follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to The Demographicast on uh, so that you can get regular updates every week when we release a new episode. Um, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Sophie. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you, Jack? I'm very well, thanks. How are you, Brad? So, uh, yeah, I'm good. good. I'm good. I had a, a manic morning because I, I, I woke up to find a pigeon in my bathroom um, and it had shat everywhere. <laughs> Um, so I had to try and sneak in and open the window a bit more and just hope that it would leave. And luckily it has, but there's still a mess that I have to deal with in my <laughs> bathroom after this. So wonderful. Um, <laughs> today we're, we're talking about the, uh, the A-levels situation this year in terms of how the results are being, uh, given out. Uh, Sophie, you wanted to talk about this in particular. What are your, your views about it at the moment? Well, I am a year 13 now, but I was also a year 13 last year. So um, I'm going to be screwed over twice, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, I just, I don't understand how any of this is supposed to work. Like they're going to have this appeals process and they're using evidence, but evidence that we're using from subject to subject is varying, you know, from, for example, my school, some of us, we're all using full papers. So um, for a lot of my topics, I've done three full papers, um, just as we'd normally do. And when we've also done like mini exams in uh, weeks four and five or five and six, whatever right. it was. Um, but some schools are only using mini exams. Some schools are using full papers. Some schools are, you know, are telling their kids the topics that are coming up before they do the exam. Others aren't. Some subjects are telling the kids the topics that are coming up before the exams and others aren't. So um, it just doesn't make any sense. Sure. This year, the the teachers are are giving the results, right? So they're they're um, figuring out how they want to grade their students based on previous tests throughout the year and mock exams and stuff. Is that right? Uh, yes. So the uh, teachers are using past evidence, and they are sort of you know coming up with the grades that they think they should, but they don't have the freedom that everybody thinks they should. Because in my school situations, I speak to my teachers all the time. And they were sort of saying, you know, they have to make sure that it's in line with what the previous results would have looked like. Even, you know, year groups in terms of their strength and academic abilities vary year on year. They've got to sort of mirror what they look like. So last year, for us, I sort of found this out because I went to the results day the previous year. And our politics results from the last year mirrored exactly. And when I mean exactly, I mean grade for grade, the amount of students got got what got each grade despite the fact that some of the students probably should have been given different grades from the CAGs were given the exact same grades that the people would have got last year like exactly mirrored I am not lying to you and obviously they got rid of the um the algorithm which was fine but a lot of us ended up getting screwed over because the CAGs because our schools want to play it safe right so what is it that happened to you specifically last year and, and what is it you're afraid of happening this year uh, in terms of your results? Well, for me personally, um, I actually have nothing to lose because I have an unconditional right. Durham. Um, so it doesn't matter what I get, I'm going to Durham. But it's not about me because I was in that position last year and it was not a good position to be in at all. So sure. I, I don't want 
other students having to sort of resit the year and when they don't need to and they shouldn't have to and they wouldn't have. And that's the thing, the government have said this, you know, the year 13s are welcome to resit either a part of the year or a full year. Well, my question is, firstly, I'm, you know, I have an unconditional, so I have nothing to worry about. There are many year 13s that don't have an unconditional offer that have redone the year because they've got screwed over last year. If they get screwed over again, what are they going to do? Are they gonna? Are we gonna do re, year fifteen? Mm. How are the government gonna protect the kids that not only have they screwed over once, they're now gonna try and screw over again? How are they gonna protect them? It doesn't make any sense to me. Sure. So you're talking specifically about kids that are not getting the grades that they were hoping for. That I was reading an article earlier that was talking about how um, the the results. Um, of students overall are expected to be higher this year because teachers are giving them out. Um, and the, that means that a lot of students, because uh, once the algorithm was got rid of last year, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, uh, of better grades were given out to a lot of students and it meant that in the end, universities couldn't really accept all of these uh, students. Um, some of those students had to be uh, carried over to to this coming to this year, um, and that now the issue is that a lot of universities don't feel like they can accept even top grade students because they don't have the space to. Either so, way, I think it doesn't matter what circumstance you come for in these A level results. There is going to be something wrong with it because either you get a grade that's less than what you should have had, and now you can't go to the university that you want, or you get a grade that's more than what you should have had, and now you've ended up in the wrong course, in the wrong university that you are not good enough to do. And that isn't helpful for you in the long run. Or there's loads of kids that have got amazing grades, and there's loads of kids that have been carried through last year, so the people that would have originally got into universities if should have, you know, the years remain normal aren't getting in, and there are kids that are there that realistically shouldn't be there. And although that's not only those kids that shouldn't be there unfair on those that really should, but it's also not fair on the kids themselves because now they're going to go through three years in a course and a university that doesn't offer them the support and the facilitation that they actually physically needed because they were cheated for a process that they shouldn't be. Right, it sounds like a mess. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the, whole, the whole situation is a mess. How on earth is this going to work? Like, it's... Schools are using completely different grade boundaries. Some are using 2019, which I personally think is wrong because we are not in the same situation that 2019 are in. So therefore, you cannot compare us to those people. Some are using 2020, which are much lower than 2019. And then some of them are just completely bloody making it up. And I'm like... What, should, making... what should have been done, do you think? From sort of like well, a policy point of view, whether it be nationwide or, or in schools individually? Well, realistically, what should have been done is the school should have never closed in the first place and we should be taking our exams as normal. But that didn't happen. Um, that's the problem. As soon as that happened, everything else was going to fall apart and we knew it would. They learnt from last year. Closing these schools screws everything up. It not only screws the kids that are in school now, it screws the kids that are in their exam years. And realistically, I don't think it was necessary. But if we're going to talk about... Um, the actual A-level situation, the algorithm was wrong, but the principle behind it was right in terms of you have to make sure that you're checking these teachers, that the, the grades that the teachers are given. Because although, yes, we can trust our teachers and our teachers know more about us than anybody, they also want what's best for us. 
And this yes. whole situation has been utterly horrible on teachers. Mm. And people are talking about that. So I, I spoke to one of my teachers. I'm not going to say his name, but I, I really like him. And he said, I can't do this anymore. He was like, if this happening next year, I'm going to quit teaching. Because he's basically saying that I am sentencing kids to futures that I know that they don't want. Because not only, you know, he's great because he's going to be able to give kids top grades, but they also need to understand that these teachers have got to give people fails. They've got to give people Ds and Cs. And they don't want to do that because they like that student. Like, that's hard for them because they know that that is the grade that the student doesn't want. And that is a grade that a student could potentially, you know, ruin their future plans but they're the ones that have to give it to them and that is horrible for teachers they are in awful situation it's difficult isn't it because i think i mean just to come back to your your comment about the the schools never never shut in i think that to be honest we got it all stems back to central government in my view you know we we got to a position where schools were forced into into closing it wasn't safe to have schools remain open anymore and therefore the groundwork should have been put in place to have policy there that protected teachers students parents and allowed for the fairest way of uh having these results now the devolved nations where education policy is run by you know the welsh government or the scottish government haven't had the same amount of issues and they certainly haven't had the same issues that they had last year this year because they've acted and and they've put a plan in place what hasn't happened in in this country is that essentially what we did was central government westminster said we're going to shut schools and we're going to put in place this kind of really flimsy policy but what we really want is for you to decide what's best for your students you know what's best for your students you decide how you want to how you want to grade it and then there's no there's no national consensus as to how university admissions are going to work, how exam results are going to work, how grade boundaries are going to work, all this really complex stuff that's been developed over years and years and years. And that stems back to a failure from the government to actually show, show some leadership and put a plan in place. And like you say, it's screwing over tons of kids, tons of teachers, putting them in a position that they don't want to be in. Oh, I agree. This government has had not only last year to learn from it. You know what? I, I was angry last year in results. Day. I'm not going to lie to you. Of course I was because I was in the position that I didn't want to be in. But part of me knew I wasn't angry at the government because this is something that was totally unpredictable, was totally unprecedented, and they were going to fuck it up like they were. This year, there is no excuse. They've had two years to figure this out. Not only have they had two years, not only have they had a trial run of where they can learn from their mistakes, they also made this decision back in Christmas. Why am I sitting here about five weeks till results day with still no real clarity over the appeals process? Hundreds of questions. We were learning, you know, in sort of February, how these grades were going to be made. So I, I don't understand why we're sitting here. Yeah. There's silence government about how this is going to work there's silence from the mps because they're too busy waving their palestinian flags or doing whatever else they're going to do and we're sitting here thinking well what what how on earth is this going to look like and i tell you this i bet you this right now none of these mps are going to be asking you questions in five weeks time when all of us get screwed over they're going to be the first ones to come and pretend they care well they have time now if they ask the questions now things can be in place for results day last year things were changing changing the, the week before results day, on results day, the day after results day. I got sent about five different sets of results mm. because they kept on changing the policies of the algorithm, not the algorithm, teachers grades, this, that and the other. Like the, 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 the three or four weeks running up and the three or four weeks after were a complete utter shambles because they didn't want to talk about it until we got to results day. And what they're going to do is they're going to do that again this year. Sure, like, that's you, what I was about to ask to figure yourself out they have five weeks to answer these questions it can be done but they don't want to because we've been about 
You say, yeah, I mean, you say they, I mean, it, there's actually, you know, the Department for Education, Gavin Williamson, who is responsible for this, oh. this policy, he's definitely not waving a Palestinian flag. He's out there writing songs for children to sing when the restrictions get lifted. Why is, why is there no accountability? Yeah, it is awful. Why is there no accountability for him? You know, how is he still in a job? That's, that's my question. I, I mean, there are people that we can direct this blame to. There are individuals who are wholly responsible uh, over this and they're not, you know, having the accountability brought to them. I really don't know how this guy is in a job. Like, seriously, if I underperformed that bad in Burger King in the way that he is in his government job, I'd be back within about two weeks. Yeah, you would be. Yeah, one rule for, for us and one, yeah. one rule for them, right? Yeah, if I make a burger in less than 10 seconds, that's me, a goner, mate. But this guy can screw a nation of kids, not only once, but twice, and get away with it. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. You know what? What has this man got on this government? Because there is no reason otherwise that he should be in this job. Yeah, it's a good point. And this is the whole Dominic Cummings argument, wasn't it? When he gave went and gave evidence, why, why, you know, he, he, there was why wasn't he sacked after the Barda Castle incident? Well, the reason of why a lot of people think is because he's got so much shit over the government that if they yeah. if they bin him off, he was going to come and uh, you know lay it all bare, which he ended up doing anyway. But uh, th that's the thing for all of these these front benches. This is for why Gavin Williamson still is in the job. Is oh, we want to provide consistency within the pandemic, and we don't want to change leadership roles. This, that, and the other. Well, guess what? Hurry yeah. up and because you're screwing over years and years of kids because you don't want to change it. I understand not changing things that are good, but can we please change the things that are bad? When that because... consistency is failure over and over again, <laughs> yeah. then there's no there's, there's no benefit to that. Consistent in failure and not in success, and that's the problem. Get rid of it. Seriously, sure. I, and listen, I'm one of the biggest government supporters you will see. I'm not going to lie to you, you probably know that already, but this man is utterly... It doesn't sound like it at the moment. <laughs> and is utterly useless. It's literally because this man is, a, is working for the Department of Education and he looks as if he's never, ever, ever stepped foot in a classroom in his life. He doesn't understand yeah. teachers understand students and he doesn't understand education at all that's because he won't have and that's the thing a lot of a lot of the, the people on the front benches at the moment and you know it's not just this government it's big successive governments don't understand the areas in which they're presiding over and don't have experience in the areas in which they're presiding over so they have no right to be in the position that they're in do you not think that this is that you know one thing that has been consistent in this government has been this kind of poor leadership throughout the the pandemic in in different areas, yes. Um, this pandemic has been dreadful in some departments and pretty okay in other departments. Um, education is probably one of the worst performing, I think. And it's not even about Gavin Williamson because these people have a board of advisors. Who the hell are advising these people? And also, how the hell did they get their job too? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Well, these I mean really good job interviews or they are lying <laughs> on tv because have no skills whatsoever but we, no. we know that's how that's not how you know people get into these positions don't we i mean it's not it's not about a fair interview process and you know there's there's uh a, only yeah exactly there's a, a well i mean the country would be a much better place if people were just allowed to go and interview and uh, for, these, yeah. for these jobs but it's it's jobs for your mates and that's the, the thing about this particularly this government particularly through the pandemic and it's not just jobs for the mates it's also contracts for the mates or contracts Mate. for your neighbors or whatever um you know dido harding being shooting up the the health 
ladder because she's pally with Boris Johnson. Um, same with you know Matt Hancock's friends getting COVID or PP procurement contracts and not fulfilling them. And like, that was my point about this leadership throughout the the pandemic has been like that's been the one thing that's been consistent is poor decision making, flip flopping on policy, and uh, constant cronyism and, and, and corruption. And I, I, you know I, we've got to the point now where we're not surprised that this stuff goes on. There's a new story every day about some something going wrong in in the government, but we've got so used to it that nobody's pushing back you know it's just part of life now it's like oh yeah this is just this is just the way things work and it shouldn't be we should be asking for more we should be asking for more accountability i want to see gavin williamson have to sit and take questions from students that's what i want to see that's 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 proper that's proper accountability you know and he should have to because he he works for us the decisions that he is making are influencing young people's lives why isn't why doesn't he have to go and sit and, and you know answer those questions or even from teachers no, because they're the ones that, that he, he works for. They're the people whose lives, like you say, uh, are being screwed over at the moment for successive years. And there's zero accountability. When we when we found out that the exams were going to be cancelled for the second time, I was fuming, obviously, because that was me done twice. Um, and I recently had to sit my exams and I never obviously got to do it. But I think one of the biggest patterns between teachers and students, because especially at my school, we're really open in the way that we communicate with each other. And we I'm going to be honest with you, we discuss politics a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. All, it's good. All know each other's political stances, and we usually always argue about it. We don't actually do much learning. And that's not in politics, by the way. That's actually in business. Like, that's where we do it all. But in politics, we don't speak of anything, because like, we'll probably like, have a row or something. But in business, we probably go for each other, because our, our teacher's massively into politics. Um, but all of us were sort of saying we have no confidence in the way that this is going to work because it's Gavin Williamson <laughs> and the problem is is if you're like me and I obviously support this government quite a lot I'm a very strong conservative um, everyone tries to call me a careerist but clearly I'm here trashing Gavin so it's probably <laughs> career after this um, no I'm just kidding I'm I want to be a teacher anyway, which is why I wanted to talk about this topic. Mm-hmm. Education is sort of my field. Um, but it's just none of us had any faith in the way that this is going to work because we knew who was in charge of making it. And and that was that was the hard thing because we couldn't, you know, our teachers were sort of, you know, they didn't know anything that was going on. It took us months and months really until we sort of, after they'd announced it to when they'd announced what they were actually going to do. So we were online doing um, online learning in lockdown and we had no idea if we'd ever be A, back in school, B, take any form of exam, see how this was going to work. There was rumours that there was going to actually be real exams in the summer, but they were going to be like mini exams, but were sat, everybody sat them in the exam conditions. They then sort of took that back. Um, but yeah, we just had no confidence over the process. And going into results day in five weeks time... There was rumours that there was going to be an appeals process. A, this appeals process isn't going to work anyway. And B, there's been no clarity of how we can actually appeal. Mm. Because the problem is, if you're giving schools the control over, you know, sending off these grades, yeah, and people aren't being cynical enough about this. This is what I'm finding really strange. Is that they've got so much faith and so much trust in these teachers, which is great. But we can't just be blinded by this faith and this trust. There's got to be a mechanism in place to protect students from teachers that aren't going to give them the grace they deserve because that is going to happen. Mm. But why? Mm. Because schools are more concerned about their reputation than their kids. And sometimes, like last year, that meant playing it safe so you don't look like a cheater. 
even if a child deserves the grade that they should get. So the JCQ guidelines um, suggested that there's going to be two phases to the appeal process. One is going to be a centre phase, which is, you know, um, there's administrative errors. So you sort of go to your exam centre and say, hey, so for example, if somebody gave me a, a D in politics, I'd be like, yeah, no, there is no way in physical that is just poor academic judgment. That is just straight up wrong. So you go to them and say that there's been an administrative error of your exams and they can sort that and appeal that and that grade is then processed. Phase two is what we you can appeal on the basis of poor academic judgment or whatever, um, which is basically saying, I don't agree with the grades that my centre have given me. And they can do that in multiple ways by saying you, A, don't agree with the evidence used. So you believe that a teacher is potentially, you know, out of all of your exams, you've got A stars in all of them. And then one of them, you've got a D, but the teacher has used a piece of evidence that gives you a D, for example. Obviously, they have to submit three pieces of evidence off to the exam boards anyway, if they're sampled. But um, on the other one is um, I don't believe that the teachers have looked at the evidence and come up with a grade that I think is reflective of the evidence that we have provided. But my question is, is, with this evidence, is the teachers have control over, A, the evidence that is used. And I know that we can obviously, you know, say no, but they've got control over the grade boundaries of that. So, for example, if, if my teachers decided to use 2019, which is totally unfair, and the rest of the country is using 2020, but 2019 are higher, but in 20, and like, they're a lot higher, may I suggest. Um, so, and I would have got an A star in politics uh, using 2020, but in um 2019 I'd have got an A can I can I appeal on that basis hmm. would would that be a grounds to appeal and say look this evidence clearly suggests that in another grade boundary format I would have got an A star because we're not using most teachers aren't using full papers um, and that's the problem with this whole situation is there's a lack of consistency and one of the best things about national exams is and a lot of people that don't know exams very well is that it's not done on a flat percentage grade boundaries. The grade boundaries aren't actually made until after the exam is sat. It's done on a national bell curve. Yeah. Well, now there's a national bell curve. So teachers are potentially comparing you to other kids in your class. I know that's something that our school has potentially looked at doing, is sort of putting you on a bell curve. Uh, for my school, we're a federation of schools. I go to a Harris Federation school. So there, some of the, so for example, for business, we need grade boundaries and exams, the whole federation stat, so we can make a nice bell curve there and sort of see how we're comparing to other schools. But nationally, the Harris Fed schools are, I would say, better than, you know, other schools nationally. So we're being compared to the best of the best instead of the nation as a whole. And if that makes sense, if you've got a really, really, really academic class where nationally no one would really get below a C, like a lot of our classes would do, you're now being on a bell curve to people that are much higher. So the percentage of people getting A's of that is going to be slimmer than potentially nationally, where, you know, half of your class would get A's. On this bell curve, half of your class wouldn't get A's because that's not how the 50% bell curve will work. So now with no national bell curve, there are kids that are in really good schools that are potentially going to get slightly lower grades than what they would have got on a national standpoint because the bell curves that teachers are using or the comparisons that are teaching teachers you're using are interclass rather than intonation so that's how it's not really going to work and that's a yeah. massive goal. that's really interesting really interesting i mean the the only thing that i could think of and i don't know if this is something that you know is being done by universities because I'm, I'm just not sure is that and again you could make the argument that this isn't this wouldn't be fair but universities is just essentially 
go on the academic history and merit of the individual application that's the only way that you can do it but obviously universities need to have entrance um, requirements and it depends on what university you, you go to obviously as to what those are um, but then you would argue that so for when Brett and I went to, to uni you know we had to meet these fairly strict grade boundaries or, or entry requirements that aren't there now so it kind of leaves redundant those uh those entry requirements um do, do you think more people are going to be think about doing sort of apprenticeships and stuff because of this but less people are going to go to university because i know a lot of people have deferred i i think so i'm um, looking i'm going to be honest i'm actually thanking my lucky stars that last year did not work out the way i wanted it to because some sometimes i believe that everything in life happens for a reason this definitely does because my, i have a twin sister and she went to king's college london this year and obviously a lot of my friends are off to uni and the way this whole uni situation has worked this year has been an absolute shambles and I'm so glad that I did not go. And I think a lot of people are looking at that and thinking, you know, there's no way I'm going to uni in the future because uni students throughout this pandemic were totally disrespected. And I don't understand, everyone's talking about, you know, wanting your fees reduced and a lot of people are saying, well, that's not really a valid argument because they still got an education. And, and you're right, but if I go to... um tesco's and that the expiry date is today they're going to reduce it from a quid to 50p it's still the same product it's just not as good same applies here yes you're still getting your education but it's not as good so why are you paying the same you wouldn't in any other business do you know what i mean there are very very few things that i would yeah there are there are very few things that i would pay nine grand for and i definitely wouldn't if you were if you were to sit me down and say what was your education at university worth and i was i lived in in portsmouth i went to my lectures you know i had the full uni experience it definitely wasn't worth nine grand a year you know it's 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 a rip-off particularly how how, like you say how screwed university students have been over the, the the last two years and i think if people can't you know see that um, you probably have quite a, a, a large lack of understanding as to what is actually going on. Much like the exam, um, the exam situation and the and the results situation, and the fact that this has been allowed to to go on for for two years under the same leadership um, is is a disgrace. I think. And yeah, I mean, where do they go now? Where do, where do students where are students left? I, I I don't get it. And the the university minister said at one point, "Oh, well, they're getting a world class education." Well, if you think that's a world class yeah. education, darling, you you better <laughs> raise because I, mean, I hope that we're producing better education levels in this country. But that being said, I also don't understand the philosophy of this whole thing. You know, why on earth are we charging kids for nine grand for basically a glorified YouTube video when we only give you know secondary school students five hundred five thousand pounds funding per pupil per year? So almost half of what, you know, pupils are paying to go to university. And that is five days a week, um, nine to five. Well, we do nine to five anyway um, in my sixth form. Nine to five lessons, all of the extracurricular, the tutors, everything covered for five grand per pupil. Why on earth are we saying that this education, which is a glorified YouTube video of a lecture of two times a week and the odd dodgy exam for nine grand? I, I don't understand the philosophy of it and how that even works. That was my third year experience where I was just in uh, lectures like twice a week and the rest was my own, supposedly my own research. But obviously a lot of people don't do not do that. It does seem ridiculous. And but... it, it depends on, on what uni you go to and it depends on what course you sure. do. So like my experience was slightly different. I mean, I, I still yeah. think that it was worth a decent amount of money, but it, it, it certainly isn't pay, worth nine grand a year. And anyway, I don't think that you should have to pay uh, to get higher education. I think that the academic requirements should be a lot higher. Um, but... 
that it's sort of by the by, you know, it doesn't matter whether your experience is, is fairly decent or whether it was, you know, two lectures a week and you, you thought it was a waste of money. People are still being ripped off at whatever level you, you look at it. They're just being ripped off to varying degrees. Um, so it doesn't matter what you, what education you go through. Um, I, I don't think we have a, a world-class level of education in this country. I mean, it, the, the all the research suggests that we have a, a good but not great level of, of education and when you look at the countries that have the best levels of education in the world they are incredibly well funded they have small class sizes the requirements are, are clear they, the teachers are valued far more than they are in this country you know it's not it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what leads to a, a good education system and that's not to, to take a dump on teachers i think teachers do a fantastic job particularly through the pandemic in under incredibly difficult circumstances um they've helped Great. In these unions too much power of that over as well i saw on in the pandemic there was an article that come out about the um i think it's the neu they did it um most likely because they're the massive lefty nasa ones um that basically said that teachers don't want to now teachers shouldn't now have to partake in online learning because it's now an invasion of their privacy i understand those people fighting for school closures because if their teachers are now unsafe but there comes a point where these people are literally just fighting for teachers to not work and they're these are the people I that didn't are in see that. What, what did that say that that report what was that and um, there was i think it was around about last was it last year or was it earlier this year no it wasn't it was actually in the first well, the first lockdown we had this year this year which is the second lockdown right um the first time sort of our school was closed i think it was around probably january or december time and it basically said that um what was it in the first lockdown? i can't remember i remember this article and i remember i can literally see the words in my head like this article is ingrained into my mind um because i read it a few times thinking what the hell is this um, which basically said that teachers shouldn't be expected to carry out remote lessons because it is an invasion of their privacy and their home space, basically. Right. But well, they that was the have... National Education Union. I believe it's at NEU, yeah. Of course, probably. Interesting. Let me see if I can find the article. They probably deleted it now and then. Well, I mean, I, 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 I just, you know, I, I think that that's kind of uh, obviously not going to be a, a policy that's going to be adopted. So even suggesting that teachers shouldn't have to do online learning, that's never going to occur because people need to be able to learn. And online learning is the best way during this pandemic to ensure that people have some kind of education. What needed to happen, again, it comes back to central government, is ensuring that all p pupils, no matter of their background, had the ability to have a decent level of online learning. And that didn't occur. So again, I, you know, it always comes back to central government and the way the policy is 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 outlined because that's where the power lies at the end of the day. That was also a massive problem with um, the Ofsted thing. Um, Gavin Williamson suggested that if um, parents are not happy with the online lessons that their children are being provided, that they should go to Ofsted. And everybody got in a massive uproar about it. And to be honest, I actually, as much as I dislike the man, I think he was right in saying that. Because yes, it is difficult for teachers and it's going to be hard for them to do online lessons um but and they obviously they've done it previously so they do have practice with it but it's not the same as and the teachers are going through a lot of pressure i understand that but why on earth are we going to excuse schools that are willingly not providing the level of online lessons that are deemed satisfactory to allow them to get away with that when that means that 30 kids are going to be screwed over in a couple of years time because they didn't get the education that they deserved 
And that's that's the fact of the matter is my school done an absolutely phenomenal job at online lessons. I'm not going to I have no idea how the hell they pulled it off, but it was actually so good. But there are some schools that I'm going to be honest are taking the absolute piss and there is no need for them to do that. Yeah, there I, mean, is no I, excuse. I, I haven't seen the, the individual cases or, or looked into the individual cases of schools not doing a good enough job or, or what kind of level that they're, they're providing. But I think the, the larger issue was that many predominantly working class kids weren't given the facilities that they needed to to be able to have a decent level of online education you know it's taking for granted a lot of people's positions when you've got policymakers that says i oh, will just do everything online or do people have a stable internet connection do people have exactly. a good enough laptop to be able to do work on but the um option to go into school and i know that because i actually went in, in what was that sorry uh, they were given the option, especially in my school, if they didn't have, um, and I think the schools nationally as well, I think the government said if they do not have an appropriate, you know, laptop, device, whatever, in the circumstances, in the second lockdown, this wasn't the case in the first lockdown, was the case in the second lockdown, um, that they were able to go into schools and learn. And we had quite a lot of people in my school, actually, who were in that sort of scenario. If their It's not only if their parents were key workers, parents were key workers, they weren't in good home environments. They didn't have access to the resources that they need or the environment that they need. So I know like a couple of families were having like building works done in their home, which meant that the kids would struggle with online lessons. So they were allowed to come in. I was allowed to come in because I was having a pretty bad experience at home. So I, I couldn't be at um, with that because I weren't allowed to be at home because um, my sister struggles with mental health issues. So I had a lot of, you know, uh, psychologists and everyone always coming to my home like the police knocked on my door at one time I thought oh god so I had to hang up from an online lesson so my school were like get yourself in um but a lot of them who didn't have access to resources wi-fi even if they did have a laptop or computer but it wasn't good enough basically the schools were uh, able to have them come in and that was their personal choice mm. to be able to come in but we actually had quite a lot of people come in we filled up quite a few classrooms for us which was quite good yeah but they did have the opportunity second lockdown not in the first lockdown but the government did sort themselves out in the second lockdown and realised that they needed well, to do something like that. But that's that's all well and good. But you're you're you still have the problem of if somebody's got a, a parent that's vulnerable and they don't have the environment or they don't have the equipment to be able to learn, then you're putting them in a, a position where they have to go into a school. So is you know is that are they able to do that if they've got to isolate? So you can't. My point is that you can't mitigate against all of these different circumstances. Oh, yeah. But what you can do is provide enough help and support for people in different circumstances and they had offers to they had bt come to them and say for a, a, a certain amount of time we'll use a voucher system to roll out free internet for young people or for families who don't have a strong enough internet connection the government declined that offer from bt um you you also had uh, these laptop drives that were going on in different parts of the country that fouled dramatically the government saying that they were going to you know provide x amount of, of laptops for so many students that 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 didn't occur that failed so you had local charities having to you know roll out and wipe these lap, like these second-hand laptops that were being used um so i mean some things were done some things were mitigated albeit too late but what they should have done was as soon as schools during the first lockdown were saying this is what we need they should have been listening to them and then executing on 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 those needs and those those demands because the government outlined at the start of the pandemic no much no, no amount of money is too much we will do whatever we can to support everybody up and down the country and getting through this and if they didn't mean that they just shouldn't have said it you shouldn't have said it yeah exactly yeah. sophie i want to ask you is it difficult being a conservative party member under this government oh yeah oh my god yeah it's excruciating absolutely excruciating. What, what keeps you in the party 
Because I know for the fact that although this has lasted two years, a global pandemic is not something that comes around very often. And there is more to governing than global pandemics. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get out of this. Um, but yeah, I think the government have have behaved mass pretty poorly. I'm going to be honest with you. But at the same time, I don't have any real expectations that any other government is going to do any better. Do you not? Um, when you look sort of internationally, though, when you look and, and you, we can see sort of comparisons with the way that other countries, particularly that are in sort of semi-similar situations or geographical kind of situations that we're in, is it like when these these decisions are made over and over again and we incur the same problems? I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Labour Party member and I find it incredibly difficult um, to be in the Labour Party at the moment. I've le I left the party in 2019 uh, tw or 2018, rejoined. Um, it it's incredibly difficult. It's excruciating, like you say, to be a, a, a Labour Party member because there's there's no effective opposition. So what, what keeps you in? That That's that's what I'm, I'm curious about. Well, obviously, as I said, there's more, more to life in government. So do you think like governing from on other issues has been... Good, yes. like good okay good. Yeah, i think you know the ideals of sort of brexit of you know dealing with all of this council culture nonsense we're finally getting there um and actually the thing i like about the conservative party always is why i always probably be a conservative is that they actually have ambition they they actually have because right now all we're seeing from the labor party is you know victimhood as usual. We're looking at this election coming up in Bateley and Spen and so far all they have spoken about, despite the fact that there is a teacher literally hiding for their life, is something like Palestine. You know, well, for me, uh, the they have just become a complete, utter joke. It's like, all they care about is A-level student politics and not about real central national issues and that's why I believe that I think at the moment being a Conservative member is less of the fact that I love the Conservatives and more of the fact that this country cannot afford to have a Labour government. Yeah, it, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because I would understand that if the Labour Party had presided over austerity, over Brexit, over, you know, however, 100 and whatever, whatever it is now, 150,000 people dying uh industries of all kinds being closed down like i understand that argument if the labor party you could sort of pin some of that stuff on on the labor party but what we've had for the past 12 years are conservative governments that have consistently failed to stand up to the issues that the country is facing and not taken the country forward and made lives better for um, people on paper you know so if, if you say the government the, the so people were getting better until this global pandemic came along. The were economy they? was recovering from where it was in the Labour government. We had Brexit, which was, although under Theresa May, that was a real problem if we couldn't get Brexit. And I think that's partly for two reasons. A, Theresa May was a terrible prime minister. And I, I, I don't get me wrong, I think that she would be, right now, if roles were reversed, I feel like Theresa May would be a good prime minister for this pandemic, but she wasn't the right person for Brexit. And that's just a fact. There's there's no hiding whether you're a Tory saying that she was the right Prime Minister for the job. She wasn't. Um, but that was also partly, obviously, because we had a minority government and Labour refused to even attempt to work with the government in any way, shape or form. They just wanted to vote it down for voting it down safe, which caused absolute chaos. Or maybe it was because they disagreed with the policy. 
Oh no, Let, let's be honest. This wasn't. They they didn't even. They had the opportunities multiple times to work with this government. Corbyn had zero interest at all. He was motivated by his personal hatred for Brexit. Or, or, we, well, well uh, <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn is a well-known Eurosceptic. Um, it really wouldn't surprise me if Jeremy Corbyn voted for Brexit. He spoke. Yeah, he did not want to work with this government at no, all. No, but but maybe that was because he's in opposition and he disagrees with the government. You don't have to work with the government, do you? He wasn't constructive in his disagreement. He just voted everything down for voting. What does constructive disagreement to you look like? I'm going to interject here and just say that we've gone wildly off topic. Yeah, we have. But <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's it's. <laughs> it's important, right? <laughs> it is important, but if we're trying to keep, I know that we could probably discuss loads of these topics for a long time, and we're already closing in on the the hour mark. So uh, let's let's pin these kind of this conversation, and maybe have you back, Sophie, to talk to you about yeah. other stuff, whether it's Brexit right. or or whatever. Um, let's move on to quickfire questions, shall we? Sure. Oh God. And <laughs> I wouldn't worry; they're not they're not they're not uh, they're not too difficult. Uh, okay. There's only three of them. Oh, okay. So answer as quickly as possible as you can, and we'll if you know if you want to elaborate, you can. So don't worry. Um, first question is: Should smoking in public be banned? No. No. Jack. No, it shouldn't be banned, but there should be more legislation around. Sort of, I think that, like for for example, in in Amsterdam, you have specified areas in which people are. Uh, like sort of able to smoke in public I think stuff like that sort of smoke smoking huts and that kind of thing should be more more frequent um, I think it, it, I don't you want to be walking down the road and have to you know in-house second-hand smoke from, from somebody it is, it is an intrusive habit um, and it should be encouraged to, to sort of happen in a specific area where people don't have to be uh, subjected to it if they don't want to be sure Sophie do you want to elaborate at all on why you, you said no or uh, no, the answer is very clear. No, in all circumstances. I think I would say no as well, but I do obviously think that uh, smoking should continue, should be continued to be dis discouraged. Sorry, um, but yeah, like you said, the people should have the, the right to smoke outside if they want to. You know, I mean, it would probably be worse for the, worse for them to smoke in their own homes only, right? So, I don't know. Um, my next question is. Uh, and this is based off of a uh, story I saw today. Do you agree with fast food adverts not airing before 9 p.m.? No. So the government has banned them airing before 9 p.m. Um, the odd... Listen, I don't understand now this whole, you know, nanny state situation. The reason why people struggle with their diets goes way beyond eating in McDonald's. Like, it does. And you can ban McDonald's from advertising, but everybody knows that McDonald's exists anyway, and I'm still going to go and have me nine chicken nuggets anyway. Do you know what I mean? It ain't going to stop me consuming the McDonald's. But what it is, I think, the real contribution... I was talking about this to my work colleagues the other day. And I work a 50-hour work week. I'm actually going to work after this. Um, I actually, today is like the only day that I actually start late and not the end of 10 hours. But well, a lot of us are really struggling with our diets because of the way that we work. Sure, yeah. The, the obsession that this country obviously has with working is not good for our diets. The fact that PE is treated as a joke subject in schools. Mm. The fact that um, food technology is treated as a joke subject in schools and that's where kids can learn to prepare healthy meals. There's more to it than banning a McDonald's advert. And it doesn't yeah. matter how much you ban this McDonald's advert, we're all still going to go and get our McFlurries anyway. So you're just wasting your time. It's a good point. So you'd say education is more important than banning an advert on, on the TV. Yeah. yeah. People 
seem as if the whole cause of it, obesity is that people are having a McDonald's. No, sure. it's not. Jack, what's your thought? I don't really care. I mean, uh, I, I think it's if if they want to ban it, I think it's you know like kind of the smoking thing. It's, it's not something that should be encouraged. We have a massive issue with obesity in this country. I think people should be made aware of the detriment that they're doing to their health by eating a lot of of available. Everybody knows that if you're gonna go and smash a Big Mac, it ain't gonna be good for you. Everybody already knows that, but they still go and do it. Why? Because I want a Big Mac. I, I know it ain't a salad. I know it ain't gonna help me. We, everybody knows that. I still want it. Doesn't yeah. doesn't change anything. You know, trying to you know. So why does it matter if they, it doesn't matter if they ban it? Then do it? It doesn't matter if they they ban advertising before nine o'clock. If people are gonna go and do it anyway, then it's no it's no big deal. Yeah, but I just don't see the logic in it. Why are we wasting our time talking about this rubbish when we've got A-level results that are coming up in five weeks and you don't want to discuss that? I don't understand. It's a waste of bloody time. <laughs> it was so my you, question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I, I, I think I'm kind of similarly on the same mind to you, Jack, that I don't necessarily know if I really care because at the same, you know, they get enough publicity anyway um i don't really know how much of an effect it will have on it's, it, it's doing it's it's trying to tackle the issue without trying too hard to tackle the issue yeah that's, that's what it is. because because yeah. surely like like you're saying sophie the main issue is that people don't necessarily uh they go to fast food restaurants because they don't necessarily want to have the healthier options that are potentially available to cook at home or uh whatever or like a lot of it is time sure yeah exactly yeah so like, maybe encouraging that sort of thing would be. It's an excuse if if you know if you work the nine to five and if you work the nine to five that's fine. Sure. You can live a normal life. But those of us that work night shifts, those of us that work fifty hour work weeks, whatever. We we I literally get home at eleven o'clock at night and I'm back in work at like say twelve o'clock the next morning. I don't really have time mm. to go and cook a masterpiece of a salad. I'm literally just going to throw something in the oven and eat. Like that's just what I'm going to yeah. do. But even those things that, like, I'm thinking of, like, uh, people coming home from work getting ready meals from somewhere, or or yeah. uh, people with children who will buy sort of the sort of there was that thing the turkey twizzlers or whatever they were for a while were they're just full of they were crap. delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but full of crap and probably not any yeah, healthy. But also, they were they were a regular food. meal in schools, and that's that's you know. True. Yeah, true. Even true. though at the time when I was in year six and I loved to a turkey twizzler i was fuming at jamie oliver but he it is right you know that, that sort of stuff i'm being marketed at children shouldn't be encouraged Twizzler. Um, one you've never had one i've never had a turkey twizzler. I'm sure you can still get one there's gonna be like a black market for turkey twizzlers somewhere. <laughs> i'm gonna google it uh my final question is kind of on the same uh it's food related again as well uh but less serious what is one food that if asked to you couldn't give up um, really shreddies. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Uh, like the frosted shreddies. Well, see, I, I have I have a bit of a conspiracy about that. I like <laughs> all of the shreddies, but I believe that frosted shreddies you have to have dry. You, really? You can't, you can't have them with milk because what's the point of them otherwise? Because if you put them in milk, they lose their frost. Because the frost just melts into the milk. And then they're just regular shreddies, not. And it's just really sugary milk. Yeah. It's just a really sad bowl of shreddies. Why'd <laughs> it be like uh, um, banana? 
maybe. Banana? Yeah. I was expecting you to say cheese or something. Yeah, but I, I gave cheese up for a while. So. And then you started eating it again. Yeah, I did, but I did, I did give up. <laughs> when you say you can't give it up, it kind of says to me, like, you if even if you, even if for a little while, you wouldn't be able to give it up. Right. Like, even for like a month. As like, in you could not live without. No, I'd die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I was trying to think about, I think I've tried several times to eat less meat and I just, I can't find a good, uh, um, because you've got word? no willpower, mate. Replacements <laughs> that taste good. I can't find any good replacements that taste good enough that I would want to completely get rid of my meat in my diet, which I know is bad because I, I don't agree with, or I agree with the moral reason for not eating meat, but, um, and the environmental reason for not eating meat. But... You know what? And I think Sorry? this is a very good question. Why do they call it vegan tuna? It's not tuna, is it? So, like, surely if you don't want to eat something that's not anything like meat, why would you eat something that's called tuna? I think it's about branding, right? <laughs> so they it's don't have a... to make up a new name for every yeah. food that they have. <laughs> they call it vegan tuna. Yeah. It's not because tuna is... A... I think everybody's aware that it's not tuna. I don't think but, anyone's but... buying it and going, this is a tuna. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know meat or maybe uh chocolate potentially some no i could probably live without chocolate crisps crisps that's probably I could definitely more, more like it crisps. i'm gonna be probably uh, carrots i could not live yeah. without carrots there we go <laughs> nothing makes me angrier than a freddo nothing freddo. in the that world makes you angrier than a freddo yeah. or looking at one or eating one it just it just makes me see their existence How is that little chocolate bastard frog 50p oh. <laughs> Like, I think you can get a big, big Cadbury bar for one quid, yeah? Captain and that little, that little frog, is, if that little frog is 50p, it better be one of those ones from Harold Potter where it like, actually moves. Like, I mean, it's not worth it. I don't know it, who's buying Freddo's nowadays. No. Freddo's make me so angry. Anyway, let's end it there on that note. Thank you for, for joining us, Sophie. Cheers, we should Sophie. definitely get you on again to talk about some yeah. other interesting topics. Yeah. Um, Always where can where can people find you if you wanted to uh, or would you like to you don't have to necessarily give your stuff away but where can people find you if you wanted to well obviously my Twitter is not exactly discreet um, so my Twitter is at SophieLouisCC um, and you can follow me on there for brilliant takes about all things conservativeness I do not apologise if I offend you um, follow at your own risk <laughs> and my Instagram is also the same name as my Twitter but it is purely just photos of me playing football. Great. Well, I mean, thank you for, for coming on. Yeah, cheers, Sophie. We, uh, we will see you all uh, next week in the next podcast. Yeah, it was good fun. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.